Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> we we practiced this. We did it. <laughs> hi everyone. Um, hi. This is Holly and Daniel. And it took us about 18 tries to press the record button because Daniel kept making me laugh too hard. And you're listening to Halfway Saints. I was going to say it after I said all that. You're listening to Halfway Saints. <laughs> Thank you, Holly. <laughs> but I, we couldn't start so many times because I was Because Holly too hard. kept ruining it. Daniel kept being a goofball. Not true. <sighs> it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we are recording on the first Sunday of Advent. Mm-hmm. Happy Advent, everyone. Happy new liturgical year. Happy first... new liturgical year. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Jubilee of Mercy. It began, yes. yes. And Pope Francis opened the holy doors in Central Africa. I can't pronounce the, na- the name of the city he was in, but... Um, but he's wearing these nice purple robes. Mm, he's not wearing, like, full Pope garb. But he should still wear a white cassock. Was he at Mass? <laughs> he he I, probably wore, or probably wore, like, a cope or something. If it was outside of Mass. All these words you're saying, I don't know. But he didn't have his hat on. And it wasn't all white. Normally he's wearing all white. Right, but if he if it was a ritual celebration, like the opening of the Jubilee doors... Um, Whoever is doing that usually won't wear a chasuble because that's what he wears for mass, but he'll wear a cope, which is like the cape. That's why, at, like, mm. adoration. They wear a cape. They wear the cape instead of the chasuble. So they wear, like, the the stole and the cope. Mm. I don't so think that, he was wearing Not in the picture I saw. Didn't maybe it was like at was mass. Wearing, maybe, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, happy <laughs> Jubilee of Mercy mm-hmm. to everyone. Um,. And we are coming to you the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Yes. We're stuffed with food from Thanksgiving. Yeah. We have, uh, I mean, eaten most of our leftovers. But we've had them for pretty much every meal since Thursday. Mm-hmm. Except for last night, we got we Little got pizza. Caesars. <laughs> we got Little Caesars pizza. Because it's hot and ready for $5. Hot and ready. You know why? Because we saw it on Fixer Upper. Oh, yeah. That they were eating it. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's exactly why we got <laughs> Little Caesars. But yeah, so we've we've almost made it through the leftovers. I made I've been making this really good. Oh, what? You're so impressed with yourself. Okay, so I made a turkey salad and it was really good and it has cranberries and pecans and some other stuff in it. And it tastes really good. I've tried to make like chicken salad before and it doesn't doesn't taste as good. Tell them um how you got the red wine vinegar. Oh, so we, all we had was white <laughs> vinegar. So, being the resourceful person I am. We had white vinegar and... And we had a bottle of um, oil and vinegar dressing with red wine vinegar in it that I guess we kept too far back in the fridge so the oil part had solidified. So I like put water, hot water in the outside of the bottle just enough to loosen the big block of oil and let the uh, red wine vinegar through. And I use that vinegar. Isn't that amazing? I know. He should... He said afterward that he should be unchopped. I should, because I had, like, my leftovers, so I used this. What do you do? A little bit of this, a little well, bit of that. you do a turkey, mayonnaise, and red wine vinaigrette. You make turkey salad. Yes. But no. So I've, I feel very accomplished. And I've, I stretched those leftovers. You've kind of gotten tired of them, but. Hey, I wouldn't have gotten tired of the ham. 
That's true. But we ran you, out of it. You've eaten several pounds of ham <laughs> <laughs> this past few days. It's really good. Remember what I used to say I didn't like ham? You didn't. I know. Holly does this really annoying thing where hey, she says, what? You love me. I remember. do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> but you say you don't like foods, and then I'll ask, when was the last time you tried it? And you're like, oh, when I was 10. And then we'll try it. And you love it. Like cabbage, ham. Um, what was another one? I can't remember anything specific, but. Yeah, I can't either. There's lots of things where you just haven't tried it in a while. I know. I or know. ever. Hey, hey, I know. Okay. I'm, all right. I'm all working right. on it. <laughs> I'm trying a lot of foods. But we also had a great Thanksgiving feast. We did. We, to make yes. the leftovers. Yeah. My sister came up and was mm-hmm. in town, and she was able to spend so much time with us and with Jack. Um, and she helped us cook up big turkey. Yeah, Holly and I, we didn't want a turkey. You never. I don't think anyone ever wants to make a turkey. You just have to. That's not true. People love making turkey oh, on Thanksgiving. I, okay. I didn't mind doing it. Daniel's the Thanksgiving grumpus. No. I just, <laughs> you have so much turkey and you just can only eat so much of it. Unless you make a really baller turkey salad like I did. Right. Um, so we were just going to do like chicken breasts or like a half a turkey, but they really don't sell that. At least we didn't find it. Uh, so we got a whole 14 pound turkey. Mm-hmm. 14.6 pounds. And Holly was, I was at work, she was at the grocery store and she was texting me trying to figure out how big a turkey to get. And I'm trying like in my mind to think about how big the turkey is. So I just told her like, let Jack hold it and take a picture. That way I can see how big the turkey is because I know how big he is. And I said, come on Daniel, just remember what Jack was like when he was 14 pounds. He's not the same <laughs> size as a turkey. Yes, he is. No, it can be the same weight, but not the same oh, size. Yeah, his density is different. <laughs> it's just like the human body is slightly different than a turkey's. Only slightly. Um, yeah, so a ton of food. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holly's sister was up, and we had, um, oh, Wait, uh, what? I wanted to share that. I So my sister and me and Daniel made pretty much the whole Thanksgiving feast, besides mm-hmm. a couple sides and desserts. Um, so we made the, the turkey all by ourselves for the first time without, like, parents there to help us. <laughs> no adults were there to help us. So we had the Trader Joe's guidelines for making a turkey, mm-hmm. which is the exact same as my parents made it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I had a really good time stuffing the underneath the skin and the turkey. P- putting the butter underneath the turkey skin. I was going to say with butter. I was getting there. Okay. Stuffing That's the, That word, you should stuffing. leave with that word. When you say, I had a fun time with the skin and the stuffing... <laughs> But with getting the butter between the skin and the meat. Mm-hmm. So I got my hands all in the turkey, and it was gross. It was gross. But I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Um, uh, but we also had a special podcast-related guest, uh-huh. um, Teresa Peterson, whose song we used at the beginning and end of the podcast, uh, joined us yep. for, for Thanksgiving dinner with her husband. A little bit of fame sitting little, right yeah, there. Two famous people <laughs> hanging out, having dinner, no big deal. I know, I secret. I was like hoping that maybe we could ask her to sing a song for us. I'm sure if we asked, she would She have, would, but, but here's the thing. What song do you ask her to sing? The, the Thanksgiving song. I know, I was like, it's not Christmas where she could yeah. sing like Silent Night or something. She could sing a turkey song. Um, I don't think that it would, no, no. no I don't would that not exhibit her no, abilities ex- very well? Exactly. Uh, anyway. Thanksgiving also meant I got some time off from work, mm-hmm. um, which is nice. I never realized how much time you get off for Thanksgiving, but if you have the Wednesday before off, it's like five days. Because you have the whole freaking weekend. <laughs> you do. <laughs> we did have the whole freaking weekend. But that meant we actually got um, 
I love it when you have a day where you can stay up a little later because you don't need to go to work the next day or the next day. Like, you have that extra day in there. So good. Um, so we actually got to watch a couple of movies over the weekend. We um, did. Good. We usually, you know, bleh, we only usually watch movies, like, on a weekend night because, like, on a weeknight, if it's, like, an hour and a half, two oh, hours. It's too just long. long. We usually try not to watch more than an hour or so of TV right. during the, the weeknights. Um, so we got to watch a couple of movies. Um, and one of them was this movie called Ex Machina. Is that how you say it? Yeah. It's not that... Ex Machina? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because it's, yeah, I guess it's Latin. Or okay. of the machine or out of the machine. Oh. It's a reference to, there was like a theatrical device called Deus Ex Machina, which is like God of the Machine, which mm. is when like a god or something or some big plot point kind of just comes down from the sky. Okay. So it's it's kind of it's like a, a theatrical reference. Right. But in the in the movie um Ex Machina it's about there's going to be some spoilers. If you really want to see it, maybe go watch it and then come back. <laughs> there's not a ton, but just be warned. It's if, a really good movie. It is a really good movie. I don't want to what are you gonna spoil? I'm just. I have to explain. The no, <laughs> I have to explain the premise. So. Oh, the premise is okay. Right, and the point I want to talk to uh, talk about is like halfway through the movie, so there's some points. Anyway, it's not huge spoilers. Okay. Don't worry. Um. Still worth it. <laughs> but the movie is about this guy who works for um, a big search engine company, and he's randomly selected to spend a week with the founder of the company. And he flies to his fancy compound, and it's like a key card to enter, and it's like this super high tech house. It's um, really cool. It is really cool. And I meant really to look up pretty. where they shot it, but yeah, it's really pretty. Um, and so he gets there, and it turns out he didn't win a contest. He was actually selected to help test um, whether or not this AI artificial intelligence that the founder of the company made um, can pass a Turing test, or pretty much, can this guy tell that this is a machine he's interacting with? Would he ever be tricked into thinking right. that he's... He's actually interacting with a person. A consciousness. Yeah, a consciousness. consciousness. Like, so I keep saying it. Um, so that's kind of the premise of the movie. And there's one part where the the robot that he's interacting with starts to flirt with him a little bit and is, like, very flirtatious and, like, striking conversation. Um, and so later on, after that session with the robot... I'm going to say robot just because it's easier. Sure. Um, Though she doesn't seem like a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make that clear. He's talking to the, the founder of the company who made the robot, and he asks, why did you give her sexuality? He's like, what, what good does that do? He's like, why did you give her a face? Why did you make her look like a woman? And the founder, um, or any, and he asks, why didn't you just make him make her a gray box like just a robot like that looks like a robot um and he said why would a gray box ever want to interact with another gray box and he goes on to say some more crude things about sexuality oh right so it kind of ruins it but like that point that there's something innately human or there sexuality is innately human and a part of human nature in that without humans kind of coming together 
um, through through marriage, like becoming one. That, that's kind of how society is built. To clarify, sexuality in the t- sense of like gender distri- distinction. Right. Which informs sexual, like yeah. intimacy. I'm referring, I'm saying sexuality in the way that St. John Paul II spoke of it. Right. Like we have sexuality. That's not a, a debatable point. Humans possess sexuality. Mm-hmm. So, th- so it was kind of um, poignant that this guy in creating a robot to try to imitate a human says you have to have sexuality because otherwise why do we interact and it's it's kind of true like why do we not in the in 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 the movie he kind of like jokes that like we only interact with others to have sex with them and that's kind of crude and like a limited and immature understanding of human sexuality but if you think about it why do we why do we like have friends why do we have spouses why do we kind of do anything like if we didn't ever need to like meet up with anyone marry them and have children why would we not why would we interact at all if we didn't need to because i was thinking that whenever he was talking to the robot like um because she's living in a room by herself and Mm -hmm. stuff and like why does she want to get out Mm -hmm. like why would she want to leave the room because there's no real need for her to leave the room she's just a computer and she like doesn't have to eat she doesn't have to she said all she has to do is charge her battery mm-hmm. literally um like where where's the need like besides curiosity but i think it's because she has that gender mm-hmm. that like sexuality within right. her that makes her like which is a, a mark of humanity like we're created as male and female mm-hmm. exactly and it's like I mean, that's the fullness of understanding, like, we are made to be in relationship. Mm-hmm. And it is through our male and female parts mm-hmm. that uh, create this, like, dynamism mm-hmm. that we work with. Yeah, and so it's just kind of cool thinking in this movie that's not sort of Christian at all. Like, it's not... Yeah, I was going to say, not at all. Well, no, I mean, there's some... <laughs> it's actually not bad. I was... There's... There's some things that are questionable and definitely not for children, but for the most part, it was fairly. It was, it was there is watchable. I was uh, frustrated with how much female nudity there was. There was. A little bit. But I think we talked about after. Get... There's in in one scene toward the end. It is. It has artistic value to yes. it, and has and contributes to the plot. Yeah, and there it's it's never crude. No, it was all like to sh- artistically. I guess artistically is yeah. Good. I still struggle it's, with artistic it's, nudity. Right. I mean, and it, it depends in on the our view, world. And it depends yeah. on the viewer whether or not they are okay to handle, you know, mm-hmm. to handle that. But anyway, so it was just really cool in this movie to to see this person made a machine that's supposed to imitate humanity. And to do that, he made it female so that it would crave attraction to a male. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, really cool that that's just, like, a simple, simple human truth that's often tried to be done away with in a lot of you know a lot of um different ways of thinking we kind of get rid of that but here's this movie where it's like no this is basic yeah and it's not like a christian movie it's just like a movie trying to say something about humanity exactly yeah it's just about it's just the human experience that Mm -hmm. they're expressing yeah and so like in thinking about that and talking to holly about it i've realized how much more i am convicted by a piece of art or a film or a novel or something that excuse me tries to depict a truth about humanity than one that just kind of like 
throws sort of values at us or like Christ, quote unquote Christian values and mm-hmm. say like, oh, here's the moral of the story. Like if someone, if an artist just tries to depict truth and say, here's this one small thing about humanity that I'm trying to show you, that for me is so much more powerful than any kind of like polemic or like preachy. What's polemic? A polemic is like um, an argument that's sort of, or like a, it's directed at one person or at something. So if you were like writing an article against... Um, the New York Yankees and you're saying like here's everything wrong with the Yankees that would be like a polemic against mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. thing it's like a mm-hmm. focused attack yeah that makes sense yeah, yeah. so it's just so much better I, I don't I don't know if I want to say better it's but much like, more deep it's yeah. much deeper it like I just get frustrated too whenever um, some movies just like insert biblical script like reference here right and it has like nothing to do with the movie whatsoever or like doesn't yeah and it's kind of thrown in before what well, i see where you're going with that okay let me uh, let me pause whoa, whoa, whoa. it hold on i'm gonna press pause Beep i pressed holly's oh i didn't know how to sound <laughs> um another thing that struck out to stuck out to me i was watching a tv show um on Amazon. It's like an Amazon only show called The Man in the High Castle. It's really good. I'm supposed to watch it. I asked how so I was can like catch up. Well, I started off saying, Hey, I watched the first episode, it's really good, you should watch it and then I got tired of waiting for Holly to watch it. So I start, I'm like, I had two days, folks. I'm on like two episode days, four. That's it. I'm on episode four now. But um the premise is it's sort of an alternate history and the Axis power is one World War Two. And so, um in the it's set in the sixties and the United States are divided up between Japanese territory on the Pacific coast and Nazi territory on the East coast and Midwest. And there's like a neutral zone in the Rockies. Um, and so it follows this resistance movement of Americans living in occupied America. Um, but there's one point where a character is talking to her boyfriend and he's says something along the lines of, um, are we ever going to settle down and have kids? And she asks, who would want to raise kids in a world like this? And the boyfriend responds, well, somebody has to. And I think that's just like such a great statement and such a good response to someone who is basically despairing and mm-hmm. saying like, well, there is no hope. Why would we do anything? And it also just shows you how important children are. Like if you want the world to be a better place one of the biggest ways you can contribute to that is by raising children who know what's what and know what is right and know who god is and know how to love god and love their neighbor and again it's just this not a christian tv show by any means but there's just like a little kernel of truth in there that you know may even be overlooked by the actors and the writers and like they may not even realize that they're expressing a truth that Christians would be like, yes, you got it. You're mm-hmm. getting it right now. Yeah, I think that they, like, there are truths that just can't really be denied. Mm-hmm. And that they're, when they come as uh, inherently, is that a good word? It depends on what the rest of the sentence is. <laughs> come as inherently as ones like that do. They shouldn't really be, is that a bad word? Innately or? As quickly, like without thought. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that they're like, they're just really true truths that they're just like ingrained within us because we are made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And we do know, we do accept certain truths, like right. just 
Inherently. Inherently. They're inherent. <laughs> inherently. Can't remove them. They're inherent. <laughs> Is that what that means? That you can't take them out? Um, no, it's like a, an ingrained, yeah, inherent kind of thing. Yeah, like you inherit something. I don't know if those have the same root, but... Oh, that's how I always picture <laughs> Grammar lessons, uh, anyway. folks. Um, so yeah, so now going to what you were saying about sort of just referencing scripture. Yeah, like in... um. What movie was it? Was it the, um, was it one of the Marvels? Oh, Age of Ultron. Eight. Yes. Yeah. The, Aven- the, Aven- the Avengers Age of Ultron. Give them the full title. Sorry. <laughs> they would have figured it out. But there are like a couple in there where they would be like, I can't remember any of Yeah, them. Ultron, who's like this man, or like super intelligent computer person thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. That one, that movie kind of lost me a little bit. But he, I at one it. point, someone asks him who he is or what he is, and he just says, I am. Mm-hmm. And it's and there's some other parts where he references scripture. And it's just, I don't like it because it just seems sort of like lazy, you know? Well, it's like, well, what are you saying? Like, Ultron is, is bad in that movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, so what are you saying? You're taking the like, God of the Universe's name that he's given him, that he allows Israel to call him in the Old Testament, like, grants that huge honor to give him a name, privilege to give him a name, and give it to this, like, bad computer But it's also, it's also, like, he, it is, like, the point is him saying he is God, and, like, that's why he needs to be stopped, because he thinks he can rule the world kind of a thing. So... I see it working there, but it's also like, like the writers just kind of like opened a Bible and were like, oh, it's like when you ever, when you see like a scene in a church and there's, and first of all, oh, it drives me crazy whenever there's a scene in a church and it's just like a mashup of every Christian denomination. It's like, like there'll be like Pastor Ken, but then there'll be like votive candles and like a statue of Mary. And he has like a rosary hanging from his right. rear view mirror. Yeah. That doesn't make any it. sense, guys. Yeah. Or if like... Yeah. In The Walking Dead, there's a character who's an Episcopalian priest, but is very Catholic for an Episcopalian <laughs> priest. I don't know many he Episcopalian... He prays the rosary. Prays lot, the rosary. Right? Yeah. There's... Yeah. Anyway. Um, what was my point? Oh, that it's just like the writers like picked open the Bible and were like, oh, Revelation, this verse sounds scary. Yeah. And it's... It just doesn't... It just falls flat. And I think it's like a lazy way of trying to make a point like, oh, this character is... A religious radical right. or this character thinks they're god and it's just i think it's i think it's lazy i think it's lazy and i don't appreciate it <laughs> i think daniel's been pretty clearly he thinks it's lazy <laughs> but yeah i mean because it is it's just shallow mm-hmm. it's a shallow understanding yeah it and i also think it's equally bad when when it's kind of like when a character like just prays and like, well, we'll just have to pray about it. When it when it's just shown that like, oh, this character prays, they must be like wise. Yeah. And it doesn't really show you who like give you a depiction of humanity. I'm trying to think of like a good example, but I don't usually like movies where that <laughs> might happen, so I'm not calling any to mind. Yeah, I think it's frustrating. Like just hearing you talk about that is that we're living in a more and more secularized world where we're like what is it the post-christian 
phase. And that, like, I think that a lot of writers and the people who are doing these, like, quote-unquote lazy uh, tactics to just, like, insert scripture may think that if they just do this one little insert that people have a, a big understanding of what that means. Like, if they do have a character who prays, mm-hmm. instead of de- depicting that wisdom and... uh just like clarity of life that he has um instead of showing that explicitly they do it like implicitly through prayer where we're living in a world where people don't understand that and they're just kind of like assuming that they do we don't we need it kind of spelled out and i think that it's um much better whenever it is spelled out yeah and i get and i understand the point of using an illusion so you don't have to spend you know, 15 minutes establishing this character is a Christian. So if you just show them with the Bible or with the rosary, you're like, oh, this person's Christian. I don't have to spend all the screen time showing you that. What I dislike is, and I thought of one, like the um, Christian imagery in Gladiator. Russell Crowe, he's stabbed in the right side Mm. and he's kind of sacrifices himself. I dislike when the story of Christ is used as sort of just like a literary reference. Like... Yeah. Oh, this character is sacrificing himself. He's like Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? And it's reduced to, like, just one, kind of one point. Right. And, and I think Batman, the new Batman trilogy, does that as well, where, like, Batman sacrifices himself. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of motif... So I'm sure a lot of Christians would be like, no, that it's, it's good, where Christianity is still relevant. People use it as a reference point. But I think it delivers sort of a watered-down version of it yeah because to me if what jesus did is way more like he sacrificed himself for us humans can sacrifice themselves for one another all the time that's what we're called to do right that's what jesus did was so much more and when you reduce it just to someone giving their life for someone else it lessens what jesus did it does not not actually lessening it but like it waters down the perception yeah what that actually was yeah it does. And I think um, something Pope Francis has talked about before that I think it's like the more I think about it, the more apt I think it is. He talks about Christian inoculation, like with a, a disease, you get inoculated against a disease, like you get your flu shot. Mm-hmm. It's literally a weaker form of whatever disease you might catch. So the right. flu shot is a weakened or a dead version of the flu. And with faith, if you get a weakened or a dead version of Christianity, you're going to be inoculated against it when you come up to what it really is. Mm. So if in your childhood or just through, you know, if you never were raised Christian or you don't have any religious belief and you just kind of see Jesus as this literary reference in all these films and movies and art, then like when someone tries to tell you about Jesus, you're just like, oh yeah, he, he sacrificed himself. So mm-hmm. it's a sacrifice, be self-giving, that's it. And not realize that like the basic the basis of Christianity is a relationship with Jesus who is the creator of the universe who came to give himself to us fully and like as fully as possible. Right. Through the crucifixion. Yes. But also in so many more ways. I mean, and through the resurrection, like the resurrection is rarely used. I mean, like, Oh uh, yeah. There's also a lot of like resurrection imagery and it's just, it's like if someone referenced, it's almost gotten to the point of like, uh, like Greek or Roman mythology, where like right. it's referenced all the time. That's what I was no about to say. It. Is that like um, it's become the 
to the point where people are like, that's so silly. Why do you believe in that? Mm-hmm. Because it's like so overused and watered down. Yeah. And like, I remember you were talking, I was saying like, I don't really remember, but you, I was hoping that maybe like if someone, someone I knew who was going to like, uh, well, at least they uh, talk about God within their friend group or something you're like but it doesn't it sets a really watered down version of what it is sorry that's really... <laughs> there's a lot of vague uh vagueness right so if someone's talking about jesus all the time but not really saying it yeah or like saying what that means well i was excited because this person was like exposed to jesus but mm. in this way that's like really watered down and i right, was like excited yeah. about it and you're like well let's look at the reality of it that's not it's not true and it's gonna kind of uh build up this like um inoculation that's the only yeah one. like it's gonna do that exactly right yeah and i yeah and it's difficult and i i understand why some people are are like like it's like the whole like keep christ in christmas thing mm-hmm. like it's it doesn't matter if everyone says okay okay we'll call it christmas like if no one is celebrating jesus then it doesn't matter like yeah, we should keep Christ in every day of the year. Like, right. it's not just Christmas. That's the problem, is that he's only at Christmas and Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that anyone who's worried about Christ being left out of Christmas not being a full-time Christian. There's just, like... But a... I think there's so much backlash around Christmas where, like, oh, no one's a Christian, where it's like, well, the rest of the year no one right. is a Christian, so what's the... Not that no one's... You get what I'm saying. Yes. It's more... There's more of a cultural problem that's... That's the reason behind Christmas is, as being the way that it is. Um, that needs to be, like, the bigger problem. Yeah. It's just a bigger problem than it's just, not just Christmas. A, it's not just a problem on December 25th. Yeah. Thanks. I didn't do a good job of explaining hey, it either. that's why we're here. We're a good team. I know. I know. You give me the raw material and I mold it into... You're just such a brilliant sculptor oh, with what I give you. <laughs> um, the kind of a funny point that I remembered um, that kind of, I don't know, I guess makes my point. In the show Breaking Bad, very, I was going to say very good show, very interesting show. I only watched the last uh, yeah, four episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's... Yeah, I think it does a good job of showing that evil corrupts mm-hmm. and that if you do bad things, you're going to become a bad person, which I think is, is a truth. So, like, if a show is, if that's the intention of the show is to, to present that, then, like, good job. Know, that's good. They did it. Um, but, again, I think a lot of people miss the point. I've even heard people say, like, oh, yeah, making that show makes me, like, kind of want to try meth. Oh, it's like, no, you missed I it. I mean, even if it's joking, like, that's totally not the point of the show. Uh-uh. Um. But there's one point early on in the series where Walter White, the main character, is debating whether or not to kill someone because Mm. they, I forget what it is, he's in some bind where this person needs to be done away with. And he's like literally making like a pros and cons chart, like, should I kill him, should I not kill him? Mm. And under like the not kill him, he just has like Judeo-Christian values. (laughs) And I think that's like, I think that's so true that if it's, and it's kind of funny because he's debating killing someone. So you can't either have those values that you don't. You don't put right. them in the. But <laughs> when you start thinking of Christianity as like a value system, like be good, be nice to one another, don't kill, don't murder, don't commit adultery. Even though those things are true and we should not do them, if you just think of 
Christianity as a value system and not a living faith and a living relationship with God, then it then it doesn't matter. It doesn't Those make values sense. are not gonna help They're also you that not much. gonna take root. Yeah. Because they don't you're if they don't make sense because you're in, gonna end up serving yourself. Mm-hmm. Because that's just our human nature. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So those kind of, um, for me, that's more of what art should be. Yeah. Art and entertainment. Um, art kind of loosely, like TV shows aren't always art, but like, um, we'll say cultural output ought there to you be. Go. <laughs> um, also in Breaking Bad, the... I only watched four episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, limited knowledge of the series. But no, one of the scenes that most stood out to me, because I'd, I'd never seen anything leading up to it, was that they did a little flashback to the first time that he, like, called his wife and lied about what he was doing. And he, like, he, like, had to practice it a couple times, and he had to, like, really, like, gear himself up to do it. And then in the end, he's, like, lying, like, every single right. second. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just true that whenever you let those little things in... They just start to infest inside mm-hmm. of you. And that's the truth that Breaking Bad showed very, very well. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to put my little Breaking Bad information oh, good. knowledge in there. You're like someone who only keeps up with uh, college basketball during the, yeah, during the final during four. The final four. <laughs> you memorize all the players. <laughs> um, but another movie. So we watched Jurassic World. Oh, we did watch that. Yeah, X. Machina. Ex Machina. It was a it was a Colombian film. No, Ex Machina. Ex Machina, and we watched um, for the second time Hunger Games: Mockingjay Part One. Okay, we watched Jurassic World the previous weekend. No. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've been watching a well, lot of okay. movies. Okay, it's still Where in the past we couple weeks. We yeah. don't do it like two weekends in a row. Mm-hmm. We like to spread out our movies, <laughs> and we watched three in two weeks. But um, we also watched Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1, gearing up for maybe going to see Part 2 someday. Yeah, Holly and I have not been to see a movie in the theater since March of 2014. Whenever Harry Potter came out. No, no, no. Oh, my gosh. We saw movies after that. Oh, when? The Lego movie in oh, Virginia Beach. So the last good. time. I know. It's the last time we've been in the theater. Because oh we had Jack and June, and we've not been there since. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just feels like a waste to go and watch a movie. Yeah. Anyway, okay. <laughs> sorry. Uh, so we watched Mockingjay Part 1. Because we want to try to go see the new one in theaters. Mm-hmm. Someday. Someday. <laughs> uh, but there's a scene where Katniss um, is going to the hospital in District 8. And she's like, she sees all of the people and she gets really nervous. And she says, um, I don't I, I can't say, I can't help these people. And the director, I think, says, um, just let them see your face. And that, like, struck me for a minute because I was thinking about, like, like if we had, if we only but saw Jesus's face in, per- like, there, mm-hmm. we would instantly, like, be in love with, like, in total awe and in total love and our, like, just seeing his face would, like, wipe away all. Like his, his glorified face in heaven. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, if we had the beatific vision, mm-hmm. uh, precisely, um, we would, like, all of our fear, all of our 
so he'll be wiped away and we would just feel like this utter comfort of knowing of seeing him and it's because he is the one who made us and like whether or not we know that i mean there's like okay i said fear would be wiped away but you kind of are struck with a lot of fear there'd be a fear in the correct sense exactly thanks for clarifying um but so like just thinking about that with katniss like katniss they like love her because she was like one of them and that they could relate to her and that uh she's like this like image of hope and uh uh, redemption a, a little bit taken back what's that what's theirs um and like power for them but then like how much more so just seeing jesus's face to us would be oh the cat came down the stairs <laughs> no he thought it was a burglar i thought it was a squirrel <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why but that uh christ face because because he Yes, he was one of us in the incarnation, but also because he's the one who created us with the Father. Like, he he is just within us that we would just Im- immediately relate to him. Um, and then, so like just seeing his face would do that. But then, how much more is he than just seeing his face? Like, he's a God who, who is with us and who speaks back to like who we can have this relationship with. I just thought it was really cool. And mm-hmm. I, that all just started because Katniss walked into the hospital and just people saw her face and they stood. And when crowds, like, stand all together and, like, have that, like, big moment, <laughs> it makes me really excited. Um, I also think just on, like, a human level, like, within the movie at that point, like, she's like, I can't help them. There's nothing I can do. And the person who, the director who's filming, it's like a propaganda film for the rebellion. Um, she says, just let them see your face. And it, I think it just speaks to being present to people. Like mm-hmm. sometimes you can't help people. You just need to be there for them. And it sounds almost like a cliche and like a um, way to kind of get out of actually helping them. But like in a situation where like, there's nothing I can say that's going to fix all your problems. I just, I'm going to be here with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, like a very merciful act and something we as Catholics and Christians can kind of, we can kind of psych ourselves out. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to help all these homeless people. I don't, I'm actually scared to be here in this neighborhood at this soup kitchen. Like there's so many things we can say, like we can't do this. We can't help, but just like being present to people makes so much of a difference. Mm -hmm. And if you look at what the incarnation is, it's our God coming to be present with us. Yeah. And there's, I think it might be St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the, one of those smart church guys. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Writes, what? Smart church guys. Yeah. Doctors For of the church, St. whatever, Thomas same Aquinas. thing. Um, writes about speculating, would, would we have been redeemed just through the incarnation? Like, just by God oh, yeah. taking on humanity. And I, I think, like, the, the conclusion of the argument is that, like, yes, we would, but it was fitting for God to give himself fully and totally to us. Mm-hmm. So he he could have just been present with us and been the perfect person, and then that would have been enough to redeem us. Which I really like that train of thought because um, it kind of rebuts the understanding that there's, like, this wrathful, vengeful God who, like, needs and, like, requires uh, death and, mm-hmm. like, destruction and 
uh, stuff for redemption where, like, no, he just did it in this fitting way. Like, that's something that I've just recently come to understanding is that he, because I always, the, like, God of the Old Testament versus the God of the New Testament always seem to be at odds with each other until really through the lanky guys with the mm-hmm. Word on the Hill podcast that they've shown me that they're not at odds at each other. They're uniting each other and or united by each other. And um, that the New Testament is fulfilling the old law and that it's not this like doing away of the old law. Mm-hmm. But that it's not a wrathful God versus a loving, merciful God. He's always been loving and merciful. All that to say that, um, yeah, because if he, it's true because he's not a wrath, wrathful and vengeful God that we could have just been saved through. Just him the, being with us. The incarnation. Yeah. But that he had more to give us through mm-hmm. dying and, and resurrecting. That's where I get a little hard with like the language, like the right way to say what I mean. with like with the cross and resurrection I don't know I'm not good at this I mean I think with he gave himself to us in the fullest way imaginable like through dying for us through rising for us through (laughs) being born through like being baptized like he could have done any one of those things but he did all of them because that's what he is he gives all to us and continues to give to him to us through the Eucharist and through all of the sacraments and sources of the grace. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're trying to say? Mm-hmm. There's a little bit more there, but I just can't express it, so I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna wait it's, for another it's, time. It's ineffable. It is. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's all. Yeah, so I think uh, more often than not, one a way like a good piece of art or film or a TV show is something that kind of points you toward um, bigger questions mm-hmm. um, and doesn't doesn't try to answer those questions for you. Like, I think sometimes people can be like, oh, here's this big question and here's the answer. Yeah, that's what I was going to say earlier when you were talking about being present, that sometimes the best, not sometimes, always, the best tool for evangelization is listening. Mm-hmm. Where, like, I think that we always want to be in control and want to, like, do something about it. And so we um, want to give people answers and tell them the best argument and, like, provide them with all this information where, like, we just need to be these compassionate, humble people and just listen. Mm-hmm. And just, uh, yeah, just listen and, and love them back. And provide op- opportunities to to listen and ponder, like, to put, like... I think art should pose a good question. That's, yeah. Also knowing how to ask the right questions. Right. And I think um, a movie that sort of wraps it up as like, oh yeah, a good triumph over evil, triumphs over evil, like that's, that's true. And Jesus has triumphed over evil, but just kind of putting that out there, like it's some sort of like, signposts that we're supposed to just jump to this feeling at the end I think it just doesn't work especially today in this day and age Mm -hmm. like you can't just say like oh yeah my character is a Christ figure because he's selfless right like a if you're you know a Christian artist and that's kind of your point is just saying like oh this guy looks like Jesus I don't think that's really because when that signpost there's when someone doesn't have any reference to it it just points to nothing or it points to kind of a 
storybook version of Jesus. It does. And it's not it's not effective as as art or as evangelization. And I think good art can evangelize. Like just look at um, the Lord of the Rings. Like everyone loves those books and those movies. And like okay. no, every single person <laughs> loves those books and those Let's movies. Be real. Um, and you know you can. I mean, you can you can read anything and not get the point, but you can read those and like understand the points, without mm, without being a Christian. Like you can look at it and say like, oh, these are the truths that he's pointing at. Right. A Christian can read it and be like, yes, I understand those points, and I understand what the intended response to those kind of questions are. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. But it does bring you to ask questions, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my little rant on on movies. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's it's a good rant to have. <laughs> if you're gonna have one, might as well have one. But no, it's true. And it and it's also made me think if I, um, it was kind of sad last year at Advent. I like set a goal of trying to write five short stories by next oh, year. Oh my gosh, you did! Guess how many I've written. Yeah. Big old goose egg. <laughs> but no, I, I would like to um, write more and like write a couple of short stories. And like this, knowing that this is what's compelling and convicting helps me to try to, you know, make something that does that. That's not like just the gospel story with characters reverse, you know? Yeah. And that just like speaks to humanity. Because I think, um, and Bishop Barron did an interview recently um, for NPR, which is kind of frustrating because on the NPR story, it's like one or two sound bites. And then like all these interviews with these other people, it's like, why don't you like just talk to him, air the whole interview. It's probably much better. Anyway, <laughs> I read the transcript of the actual interview. Um, and the guy's asking him something about like word on fire and evangelization. And, um, Bishop Barron just says like, what I am trying to do with all of this is just show someone something beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's like, and then we can go from there. Because if you try... <laughs> What's so funny about that? That reaction just... <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sorry, I got a little embarrassed. <laughs> um, he says he's just trying to show someone something beautiful, and that if he can just... <laughs> I'm like trying... This is like our big summing... We're summing everything up. Pregnancy laughter. Oh yeah, don't blame it on that. Oh, my I'm blaming everything on pregnancy. <laughs> Go ahead, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> um, and that if he can just show someone something beautiful and have them look at that for a moment and be there, like when the other questions arise, like if he can bring someone um, to a beautiful cathedral and they just be like, "Wow, this is beautiful," like that's the first step, and then they could say, "Oh, what does that window mean? Why is that there?" And I think that's really um, the approach that art kind of should have. Mm-hmm. And he said something, because you told me about this earlier this week, um, he said something about we keep trying to first show them truth. Mm-hmm. And um, truth is, like, too subjective, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said he, go, he talks about the three transcendentals and says, like, when we try to just give someone truth, they're not always prepared to see or understand that truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and we try to give them, like, goodness. He It's more nuanced, and he makes a better point. But 
like they're not always ready to receive that goodness. But with beauty, that's something that people kind of let their guard down. Like they're okay saying this thing is beautiful. Right. Like the most like hardened atheist could be like, yeah, that's a beautiful church. Like it's right. beautiful architecture. Mm-hmm. I can concede that point. But they would may not necessarily like, oh, that is a good like an undeniable good or that is an undeniable truth. Exactly. So beauty is like a way in to the world that's kind of turn the like kind of harden their heart against truth and goodness in some ways for some people. So that really does sum up our entire podcast here. This episode or this yeah, just this episode. Oh. <laughs> the endeavor. I mean the endeavor hopefully. <laughs> trying to show like beauty in life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe. But yeah, so that, you know, we just need, uh, like, yeah, a little kernel. That's always, this is what you need. And you just let that work. Like, um, there's some phrase, I don't know, something about like one of the early church fathers talked about like, um, like a grain of sand kind of getting stuck in an oyster shell becoming a pearl or Mm. sand becoming a pearl. And that's what like these little nuggets of truth, like they just like stick with someone and eventually they can become a pearl. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, nuggets of beauty, really. With either one. Bishop Barron was saying his strategy is to go with beauty, but I think depending on the audience, you can lead with truth if Mm -hmm. they're predisposed to Mm -hmm. understand that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. That's enough. All right, that's enough. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. (laughs) (laughs) got really serious. (laughs) But uh, we will see you next week. Uh... For St. Nicholas Day? Yes, we will. (laughs) We'll be recording most likely next Sunday on the Feast of St. Nicholas. Yes. So put your shoes out Mm -hmm. because we're going to sprinkle treats in them. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Podcast treats. Jack's going to get some. Jack is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But everyone have a great week and we love you. If you have any questions or feedback, <laughs> you can email us at halfwaysaintspodcast at gmail.com. Um, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at halfway underscore saints. Um, and give us, if you have time, give us a rating on iTunes. We'd appreciate that. It helps us to be more visible. Mm-hmm. The more it ratings does. we have. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten a new one in like a year. Yeah, like a year. We haven't been doing this a year. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So let us let us know you're out there. We'd love to hear from you and um, and how we can pray for you. Yes. So please pray for us. We will keep you all in our prayers. Even if we've never heard from you or don't know who you are, we still pray for everyone who's listening to our podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So know that. There's all right. That. Have a great week, everyone. We'll be back next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.